Sony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. It's the Bola Boys second season, first episode. I'm Rahul and I'm hosting as usual. I'm joined by Vis and Kaiser. How are we doing, boys? Good, good, thank you. Good, 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 good. Uh, are you Vis, sure, are Vis? You sure? He's, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. bro, a lot of pain behind you those sure, uh, goods ah. there, you know, exacting, it's fine. Yeah. Kaiser, how does it feel? <laughs> Premier League season is back. Two game weeks are over. Tell me, tell yes. me your initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to have uh, yeah, football back. I mean, the FPL was a rush at the end. Uh, I think there's a lot of people for some reason, but... Yeah, it's just good to have the, the weekly football back. Although I watched a lot more games in the first weekend than I did the most recent. But uh, I think th- possibly the reason for that is all of us still feel a bit of a hangover from last season. It felt like it finished a month ago, you know. So I think that's why it came soon. People were trying to delay looking at their fantasy teams and just thinking about yeah, football the in season. general. <laughs> the season <laughs> came very fast. Um, but someone who probably would be wishing that the season hasn't started yet is Vis. Ah, uh, yes. His uh, beloved Man United sit at uh, yeah. b- b- bottom of the Premier League table currently. You know, very yeah. early, only two games played. So let's not, you know, let's not over exaggerate. Let's not uh, <laughs> do a Marco Bridge. But uh, yeah, disappointing, huh? <laughs> Vis, after a very promising sort of preseason start, you know, yeah, you won yeah, the Bangkok definitely. Continental Trophy. Ooh, and then you know silverware <laughs> and then since then <laughs> since then yeah i mean so so obviously we let, let's start at the beginning uh you hosted brighton at home lost yeah. 2-1 uh talk me through that game so <clears throat> the brighton game um it, it, to begin with i think ten hag he was i'm uh, i'm i, I don't want to make excuses but at the same time i'm making excuses here but i think he was a bit of a picker in the sense that throughout preseason, he had uh, Martial, uh, Rashford, and Sancho, and uh, he was experimenting with them mainly in their system. And he didn't have Ronaldo in preseason; he hadn't worked with Ronaldo properly. But then the first game, Martial's out, and he had to, you know, sort of compensate for that and sort of played Ericsson as a false nine, which didn't work out. Um, that was yeah, that was quite unlucky, right? The fact that Martial, yeah, you know, you spent yeah. all preseason trying to. Implement the Even system. Ericsson also, he didn't like. He only came towards the later part. He didn't. He wasn't there in Melbourne. You know that deal also took forever to take to get completed. And yeah, so so, so I had to experiment straight from the first game. Yeah, the from the game. first game. So okay, fine. He started. Uh, he did that 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 false nine thing, but it didn't work because Ericsson played the role well. Like he as a in, you know in a false nine system for it to work, the person the striker essentially vacates and makes the space in front for the other forwards to you know attack that space but Rashford and Sancho just weren't making those runs and also the people who were on the ball like Dalo and Maguire things like they weren't playing forward passes it was always very safe passes and it was it just wasn't coming off and um yeah next thing you know United are 2-0 down at halftime Brighton initially United started okay then Brighton grew into the game and they took their chances uh, two very good goals uh, very bad defending for Man United um, I'm upset, but I'm not surprised at the same time because when you play the the, the same lineup as last season, you're gonna get the same result. 
And I think, you know, on paper, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, you know, Brighton is an easy game. You should be winning it. But at the end of the day, Brighton are a good team. Uh, exactly. If I'm not mistaken, Liverpool lost. Uh, Liverpool definitely dropped points to them last season. You know, they're not a mm. team to be taken lightly. Graham Potter is a very good manager. Funnily yes. enough, I think United could have done a lot worse than Graham Potter before they appointed Eric Tan Hag. So, I th- you know... Yeah. On paper, it looks a poor result, but opening day, you lose 2-1 to Brighton. Yes, no doubt, it's disappointing, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the worst result in the world, right? It's not the worst yeah. result in the world. But then, then you come to Brentford and then it's, you know, it's so early in the season for a manager who's come in and he's got so many fires, so many problems to fix. Yeah. But you find yourself yeah. in a sort of almost must-win or, you know, some sort of positive has to come out of the Brentford game and anything yeah. but happens, you know? So for anyone, I mean, I'd be surprised if anyone listening to this didn't know the score. But it's 4-0 to Brentford. And the damage was done within the first 35 minutes. All four goals happened there. The WhatsApp the WhatsApp groups are popping. Popping, huh? I couldn't believe it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I didn't personally watch the game. I, I, I turned on the score when it was nil-nil. And then literally checked the score a few minutes later. I saw 3-0. I was like, what? Oh, is it? You know, first of all, that's weird. And then you check the time and it's 32 minutes gone. You're like, what is going on here? Fine. Yeah. Uh, so Vista, yeah, tell us what what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I I think Thomas Frank what he did not I think I know uh, Thomas Frank he learned a lot from that Brighton game. He saw what United were weak at, and he sort of just um, went with the same game plan, you know, to press us properly. So Brentford from the start they look like sprinters, you know, ready to pounce. They were man to man marking, and what their their main game plan was to sort of push United all the way into our, and keep us in our own half and sort of force us into making mistakes and just didn't let us play out from the back. United, they don't. They, we generally don't play out from the back and that's what we're trying to do now. And you can see we're failing at it miserably. Time and time again, we were, you know, getting pressed the fuck out, bro. Basically, that's, that's, what, that's what Brentford did. You know, they worked 10 times harder. They won the aerial duels. They won defensive duels. Everything, they were in every department, they were just better. Yeah, the images and videos when you look back at the highlights, like literally man marking every defender of uh, yeah. United, including Ericsson, who was coming a lot to receive the ball. Right? And yeah. I mean, that's one how one of the goal. Uh, so the thing is, conceded. in the Brighton game, Fred was the pressing trigger because he was the essential deep lying midfielder in the Brentford yeah. game. So that didn't work out. So in this game, he sort of put Ericsson there in the deep lying uh, midfield role to be that bridge between defence and attack. So all Brentford needed to do, Jensen, he was the main player for Brentford who sort of pounced on um, sorry, on Ericsson and just never allowed United to progress the ball in any way. And it worked. The game plan worked to perfection. So if you, if you look at the goals, you want to talk about the goals? I think I think yeah, I, I, the only reason I don't want to move on from the first goal, Viz, is because just before the first goal happens, the David Hea error... See, you're saying it's error because he's playing to Ericsson under pressure, correct? That's what you're referring to as error, is that... Oh, no, sorry, sorry, I'm getting... That's the second goal. No. The first goal was so the, the error at the goal. near post. The second goal is the pass to Ericsson, correct? Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. so just before the first goal to so the mistake, yeah. the same exact yeah. thing happens, correct? He plays it yes, to Ericsson, it gets intercepted. So yeah. So you're, you're, you're in a difficult place, the team is in a difficult place, Eric Ten Hag is in a difficult place because... This isn't a mistake. This isn't, you know, you're looking at it, oh, why you keep doing it? But that's, the, that's how he wants to play. Correct? Yes, that's how he wants yeah, to play. Exactly. That's why he's brought on a, a, yeah. a centre-back like Lisandro Martinez because he wants to yeah. have that ability to pass out. But so you're in a difficult place because I don't think you have the players to implement. Players to do it. Exactly. Do it. David so, Hea is not a might... ball-playing keeper. 
He's so what not. is the solution here? You know, what is the solution yeah. here? It's very difficult. Exactly. Yeah, very difficult position. You see, I, it's very di- I, I don't feel sorry for anyone else except Eric Ten Hag. I don't feel sorry for the players. I don't feel sorry for the board. I only feel sorry for Ten Hag. Because you bring in a manager, you expect him to implement a system like this, the system that he wants to play. 15 weeks ago, he's already given his number one transfer target, which was Frankie De Jong, and we still haven't signed him yet. Who have we signed? For him, you see... For a new manager to come in, he will look at the group of players he has and he will either try to implement his own system or try to understand the strengths and weaknesses of his current squad and sort of implement like a half system until he can get his own squad, like his own players in and sort of make that proper system that he wants to play. So in this scenario here, he what what what, what can you expect him to do? I, I honestly don't know, bro. I really don't know. Look at the starting 11, bro. It's, it's the same starting 11 besides Ericsson, lah, you know? And I just don't know. You just need. Uh, there are a lot of fires. No, that, no, you're <laughs> yeah, right. Because even fires, as, I'm try, as I'm trying to ask you the questions here, there's so many things popping up in my mind. Because okay, first of all, you got that thing where he wants to implement a certain style of play, playing out the back under pressure. You beat the press. David De Gea is not mm. a ball playing keeper. Arguably, you know, Fred is not good enough to play there. Ericsson maybe not mobile yeah. enough to play there either. Yeah, Ericsson shouldn't be a six, basically. It, well, yeah. he shouldn't be a six yeah. who's being asked to come deep and turn the man. And, you know, it, yeah. he's a different sort of player. I don't think he's ever been asked to play that position, right? Even at Spurs, even at Milan, he was on the other side of the pitch. He was a number yeah. 10, he was a number exactly. 8. So that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So again, it's not. It, that doesn't quite make sense. Then up top as well, there's some discrepancy there. You're playing... Ajax played a very fast, quick passing game where, you know, their midfielders, Frankie de Jong, amongst others, were so good at turning at the half space or playing a one-touch. They mm. don't have... There's a clip going around of Scott McTominay trying oh, to do no. this and just, you know, there, it, there's so yeah. many problems there that I, I, I really don't know where you can go from, from it. You, do you see what I mean? I think, and you can you, yeah. you look at things like Frank Debo at Crystal Palace. So he tried to do the same thing, right? He came from Ajax, yeah. he went to Crystal Palace. He tried to implement yeah. this sort of Ajax <laughs> passing play. And I mean, we all know how they turned out. Uh, no well, games one thing in for the first sh- nine or something like that. So, yeah. I mean, one thing for sure, no way Ten Hag will uh, change, right? So I think he will just continue down the path because that's the path he knows. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll just see the consequence of that, which will be experimenting a lot in different games, which you can see the first two games already, trying yeah. to force to bring players in before the um, transfer window shuts. So it'll be interesting to see at the end of the window how the United team looks like. Yeah. And I think, I guess, uh, people advocating for that, which not to say, I, I don't know which is the right answer, but would say that, it'll turn around and say that Pep Guardiola's first season, he loses to. Bournemouth, if I'm not mistaken, 3-0. I remember he loses to Leicester 4-2. Jürgen Klopp's first season, mm-hmm. he loses to Watford 3-0. And if these two results are the equivalent of those results for Klopp and Guardiola, then in two seasons' time, we say, wow, you know. Oh, wow. wow. You, you know, you turn around and look at it. But, <laughs> but uh, because of the pressure, because Highly of optimistic. the size the club is, because of the expectations of not only United fans and people who want the club to do well, but the pressure from everyone else, right? This job is, I want to say, cl- you know, close to impossible. I think I remember saying that, you know, I I don't know whether it was with Vis or whether it, you guys were have said like, this guy, it's an impossible job. You know, it's really a very yeah. very difficult job. You have so many things going against you, and 
who knows what the answer is you know who knows what the answer you see people like Gary Neville who are normally quite you know some degree of composure knows football very well better than all of us he was flustered yesterday you know in his post game analysis yeah. he you can see it right he's yeah. like so so angry you know so Because, so yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's, many not, it's, not, it's not looking good but again i mean the best place to turn it around or you know uh, if somehow they can pull up a result at enfield Oh lord that that, that changes <laughs> that changes uh, No I think it's at Old Trafford eh? it's at Old Trafford Sorry yeah. sorry my mistake is at Old Trafford Does I don't know, know, I don't know if that's better or worse <laughs> Yeah that's right I don't either <laughs> And then following yeah. that to be fair it doesn't get that much better Southampton's a good re- uh, fixture but then you got Leicester and then Arsenal oh. So it's uh it's it's tough you know it's very tough and I think what the board need to be doing internally is just saying we just got to ride through the shitstorm you know if if yeah. they really believe that this is the solution and he's the manager which they should do you shouldn't be making a an uh, an employment or uh, you know a decision with a club this size just for based on three four games they should you just have to ride this out you know same thing like yeah, how arsenal have been doing with arteta through. and they're bearing the fruits yeah, now yeah yeah i think yeah. that's what they have same to do But uh, I think yep. uh, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough uh, commiserations <laughs> around Man United. We we'll take a short break, and then after that, we'll be speaking about Antonio Conte's Spurs and their big game against Chelsea. See you then. And we are back with the second part of the review segment. But before that, we are very happy to announce that this episode is actually sponsored by Fantasy Exchange. Fantasy Exchange is a new Premier League fantasy football game from Malaysia with a very interesting concept which combines trading cards with Fantasy Premier League uh, where you can collect cards and build your own team. There are season-long leagues which is the traditional sort of FPL format and weekly leagues where one in 30 users per league uh, with unlimited entries where users can win up to 1000 ringgit in cash and prizes every week. You got the choice to play either on desktop or your mobile and we'll put the link to the website in our description. Uh, sign up now using the code BOLABOYS and you get a free pack worth a whole 40 ringgit. So we're very happy to announce that and thank you so much to Fantasy Exchange. But moving on, Second part of the review, we have Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, Spurs have had uh, a mixed start to the season. I think on the back of both the results, they'd be quite happy. Kaiser, they start off with a very convincing win um, against Southampton, 4-1 in the end. Antonio Conte goes with his tried and trusted sort of players from last season and slowly mm. seems to be introducing the new players, namely uh, Perisic. How did you see that game uh, sort of playing out? Yeah, it was a very comfortable win uh, in the end for Spurs. Um, especially a strong offensive performance. I think Sassegno and Royale, especially the wing-backs, which Conte, we know, love to use uh, in his tactics uh, and formation, um, really had a great game. Um, there's always, of course, that um, doubts, doubts about them um, defensively, uh, which weren't test- really tested in that game. And plus Ben Davies still in that left centre-back position still. So that cent- left side of um, Spurs is still a potential weakness. But overall, the front three uh, and then Bentancur and Hoiberg looks uh, great balance in midfield. And plus all the strong options they have on the bench. They, it was a strong first game and they look, uh, they look um, well set up for the season, to be honest. I think all the fantasy Premier League managers who chose to bring in sort of uh, Son and Kane will be disappointed that they scored four goals. But... 
they were hardly involved. I think Son got an assist. Kane got nothing. Um, yeah, but yeah, Kane they, was Harlan uh, thing on the first game week. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously they they you know very nice four one win. They go into that they've done well and second game of the season is very tough. They come up against Chelsea. Um, and this game was great. I think as as the first big game of the season, it uh, definitely lived up to expectations. Uh, this what did you take away from the game besides all the. Uh, fighting between Conte and Tuchel. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually sort of underestimated Chelsea. I think um after the first game we were we were sort of um a bit uh, apprehensive in uh, saying that Chelsea like looked strong and um even when we were discussing before the game we were like I don't think Chelsea will score, you know, I think it'll be a 2-0 Spurs win, but the game was was completely different, bro. Chelsea Chelsea were good, man. Especially in the first half, they just dominated large parts of that first half. Even in the second half, you know, throughout the game, they were just definitely the dominant team. I don't think they deserve to draw that game. They should have had all three points, considering how the goals um, stood for Spurs, which I thought shouldn't have. And um, yeah, Chelsea looking good, man. No, I agree. So I think it was. Um, I think Spurs in general, they are their best, and Antonio Conte's teams are their best. When you can sort of play on the counter, so Son Kane they love to play when the space in behind, but Chelsea just didn't allow them to do it. I think Kaiser, particularly Kante and Jorginho, was so good at either recycling the ball, keeping possession away from Spurs, and when Spurs had the balls in those positions where they were able to break, they were nicking it off them. And I think that was, yeah. you know, if anyone wants success against Spurs, that's what you got to have, you know, that's what you got to try to do, which is not easy. It's unfortunate that the um, focus will be slightly away from that, given all the stuff that was going on off the pitch. The first one, well, rather maybe, I don't know if it's a mix of off or and on the pitch, but the first thing being the refereeing decisions. Uh, both, yeah. you know, both goals have some contentious refereeing decisions there. Anthony Taylor, I don't know. What him and who were, I can't remember who was on VAR, what they were thinking with a lot of them, but some of those decisions not not quite right. Yeah, and amazingly, both basically directly impacted the goals that Spurs eventually scored. So the first one for me was an obvious foul on Harvards, came from the back, even though he had maybe a tiny touch on the ball, uh, Bentancur, uh, but it was a clear foul. Harvards was livid after that, uh, yeah. and, and eventually, yeah, um, it led to the goal that Spurs. Uh, scored after and then Cucurella's uh, <laughs> dreadful hair was pulled on uh, during the corner as well that led to the corner, corner and the goal yeah. yeah basically in the last five minutes which uh, yeah I don't know what's the point of VAR then if they're going to not give those decisions it's, it's you so know, okay. for me you see the, the first goal right I can understand maybe they didn't want to bring it back so much you know because it yeah it was part of the build up play but it was like what 50 seconds before that happened but if you yeah. look at the goal the first goal itself in isolation right that, that shot from Hoiberg um, Richarlison is blocking the line of sight of Mendy and he's in a clear offside position I don't know what your thought I thought that was not fair because you can see Richarlison sort of even trying to reach for the ball, which he doesn't. And he mm. clearly blocks Mendy, you know, from seeing the ball. True, so, that's another contentious decision. Yeah, so... yeah. I think with those ones, the offside ones, so again, it's, it's mm. not very good for a podcast, but the ones we're talking about is where there's a player very close to the keeper and he is in an offside position. 
Mm-hmm. But the 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 only way he's officially offside is if they decide that he's interfering with play. So that can be either he's as Vis is saying directly blocking the keeper or you mm. know bring some sort of indecisiveness where you think the ball he might yeah. get involved with a ball. Yeah, so it's very yeah, difficult, yeah. right? When these things are subjective, and I think you're right because the the shot is sort of veering towards where Richarlison is. Is. So, yeah. th- and he sort difficult. of like moves you know his leg a bit to like try and touch the ball but he doesn't touch the ball you know you can see it in the replay it's obvious yeah definitely I think it's quite bad as well for the Cucurella foul that I found myself being like yeah, yeah you, you, you deserve it <laughs> <laughs> I was like yep that's about right he deserved it he shouldn't have had hair like that <laughs> but someone else was very impressive who is another Chelsea new defensive signing was Koulibaly uh, signed for the number is escaping me now. I don't know, thirty-five million. I want to say, or was it a lot more? I can't remember now. Um, from Napoli, he 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 was a signing where even when I was talking to Aslan, who came on to talk about Chelsea, I wasn't quite sure because in my head I was like, yes, he's always been linked with top clubs, but he's remained at Napoli for most of his playing career, and was there an aspect of him maybe not being as good as we all think he is? But so far, based on, I mean, the game yesterday, I thought he was great. Fantastic finish for the goal. Absolutely wallops the ball from the corner. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, yeah, what and a I goal, thought he was, Yeah, very, nice. very good. Very defensive. I think he's very good on the ball. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does in uh, the remaining of the game. Spurs' new signings, not really living up to the mark yet so far. To be fair to them, they haven't had much playing time, Kaiser. Anything yeah. you've seen... Uh, that that sort of uh, has impressed you or made an impression so far for Spurs? Yeah, I think it's tough to say. And this game, for example, Richardson Bissouma came on and didn't really make an impact. But on the overall game, I mean, Spurs overall didn't really make an impact on the game. So it's tough to judge these two based on that uh, performance. Um, but I think you can see the type of players that Conte has brought on um, and also how the team has evolved since Conte has been here. It's really, they're a lot more resilient and you can see that fighting spirit now. I think a lot of people are saying like, okay, yes, they did get a lot of decisions going their way, but maybe another season they wouldn't have managed to get a draw in this game. I feel they're less and less Spursy uh, going forward where, you know, I think a lot of games can es- escape them sometimes and um, even though they can win uh, convincingly one game, the next game they just fall off and uh, can't. So I think that will happen a lot, lot less, um, which is basically Conte putting his foot uh, down on the team, basically. Yeah, and I think for them to do what they want to do, I don't think yet they'll be thinking about a league challenge, even though I think I still think they'll be up around there. All they have to do is beat the bottom 14, 13 teams, you know. So a draw tomorrow, yesterday, Chelsea away, Absolutely fine. I think you go away from it, especially in the context of how the game was, where everyone's saying they're a yeah. bit unlucky, you know, Chelsea. Yeah, I think very good result actually. Very good result. And I still think they'll take away the like the Southampton game, that four I think they'll they'll comfortably win most of their sort of bottom thirteen, bottom fourteen teams. And what you know, three of those teams that they'll be looking to get those three points against will be the newly promoted team. So before we move on to the preview section, just a quick sort of five minutes, we want to look at the three promoted teams. So Fulham, who won the championship and came up as the automatic uh, sort of winners, done so well, drawing two all at Liverpool um, at Craven Cottage. And then this weekend, a nil-nil draw at Wolves. Uh, did you guys see Mitrovic miss the penalty? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch the game, but I saw the highlights. 
Yeah, I think he did the. He think he did the exact same thing. I can't remember his second or third game last two seasons ago. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason I remember is because I had him in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's the right. The trauma still right. lives. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. trauma is there. Uh, Bournemouth as well also have uh, done pretty well. Well, even better. They've already recorded three points on the board. Two nil win against Villa on opening day, and then obviously a four nil loss to City uh, this weekend, and uh, Nottingham Forest. Lost on the first day to Newcastle, but very good 1-0 win yesterday at West Ham. We had it in the background when we were sort of pre-recording. Um, and they look a decent outfit as well. So I think all three have started relatively well. Anything that's impressed you? Any takeaways from any of those teams? I think a bit too soon to say, there's only two games being played, right? Maybe we'll get a better picture of how these teams are faring maybe after the fifth, sixth game week or so. I think fair to say. Yeah, I think they've done... Better than I expected, to be honest. I think I really think these three teams will still struggle uh, this season. I'm just thinking what other teams will be down there with them. But some impressive results uh, early on, and you never Everton, know what can happen. Everton not looking great, which is uh, <laughs> always is a welcome sight. But yeah, I think the World Cup will be interesting because um, the um, mid to higher table teams will have a lot more. Um, players, international players, and that might benefit the these promoted teams. Yeah, definitely. And I think the five subs again is gonna it be interesting how maybe the non sort of top six clubs utilize the five subs. Um, but yeah, so I think that wraps up nicely. Looking back at what's happened so far, we'll catch you uh, in the preview section right after this. So the first team we're going to look at in our preview section will be Liverpool. It's a bit difficult because unfortunately just the time constraints we're recording before Liverpool have even played their second game against Crystal Palace. Fingers crossed three points there. Um, But looking forward, they've got United at home or rather United away at Old Trafford and then Bournemouth. So I think uh, in terms of Liverpool, the things we can talk chat about regardless of the Crystal Palace game, Kaiser would be... You know, the whole sort of fanfare in the next game will not be on Liverpool, I suspect. There's a protest yep. being planned for <laughs> for United fans again, as they tried to do uh, two seasons ago. They're making a bit of a habit of this. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, personally, if I have to say, the game has to be, you know, put in... If people are talking about the game might be called off, in my opinion, then it should be, you know... Three points to to Liverpool and and a walkover really because it's, it's you can't be making a habit of this every season. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, the fans can do a protest and things, but you know the players can still play. All right. I mean, it's eleven v eleven. We did it during COVID with no fans uh, and those kind of things. So I don't think it's a good enough reason to fully stop the game unless it's a financial reasoning and all. Yeah, those kind I think of it's things, just a, more than a safety thing. I think it's just a finance financial thing bro like they just want because it's such a huge fixture huge game which yeah. is why the fans are doing it on are this doing particular it, yeah. fixture yeah to try yeah. and hurt them la, financially you know but these guys don't give a shit la. <laughs> 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 the, the, the other thing I mean from a Liverpool point of view Kaiser again is the big despite United sort of uh, form so far it's yeah. always a nervy game United could be bottom of the Premier League but for me, I will as a Liverpool fan, you're always sort of nervy because it's still, like you said, it's a huge game. You just, you almost feel <laughs> you never know what's going to happen despite everything going against them. Uh, so yeah. it'll be a big test for Liverpool despite what happens at Crystal Palace later today. 
yeah. first big test? Um, yeah, I sort of disagree with you. I think similar to end of season last season where United were in sham in shambles and we thrashed them basically. <laughs> so I think I don't think it'll be to that extent. I mean, it's hard to recreate that again to that extent, but. I think the morale and I mean everything we just discussed in the first ten minutes of the pod, just so much going against them that uh, I think it will be a relatively straightforward game, to be honest. Yeah, I think it. I think it, it, we're gonna get trashed, and this is not even like I'm not even being funny or anything. I think that's what's gonna happen, because. So far, United have not even played the top six teams in the league, and we're getting spanked already. And we're talking about. Liverpool, you know, one of the best teams in the world. And yeah, I think, you know, the bigger dilemma for me is uh, I'm going to captain Salah, but at the same time, I need to make sure my vice captain is good in case the match gets postponed. You see, that's the <laughs> <laughs> so that's how confident I am Liverpool will. But yeah, have a field day. And I mean, but to be fair, I mean, we look at, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how bad United are. We're so confident, but Liverpool are not coming into the game with no problems. Injuries yeah. are already starting to uh, to build up for them. Jota was injured with the season to begin with. But then now you're adding Martip, Jones, Oxley, Chamberlain. And I think probably the biggest miss would be Thiago. Uh, Thiago has finished the last, I would say, 8 to 12 months very well. He's always had his injury problems, but he really provides Liverpool with something that none of the other midfielders do. He's a, you know, he's a very different sort of player. It's the reason that Klopp really wanted to bring in and made an exception to sign him, with Liverpool not wanting to sign players normally above 28, 29, 30 and putting them on big wages. But he made the exception for him because he really saw something different. And, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been fantastic. When you watch Thiago and he's on it, it's... Yeah. You know, it's it's great. The passing, the touch, the game awareness, the intelligence is fantastic. And now Liverpool have lost that Kaiser for a few weeks. They're going to have to yeah. look at making a, a couple of changes, I think. Yeah, either change of formation or... I mean, Keita can um, slip in for for Thiago. Um, not a, exactly like to light replacement. Um, I want to push Elliot for that position, but that means usually putting Henderson on the left side. Yeah. And then Elliot being on the right side, which Henderson... Is just not. I mean, he doesn't play that as much, and he's also every time he plays that he's just not as good as on that Trent side uh, with Salah, where they're just so used to playing together. Uh, so it is definitely a worry, um, and also up front we're not super settled, like you mentioned with Jota uh, being injured, Mane of course left, and uh, even though Nunes had a good first game when he came on uh, against Fulham, it'll be interesting to see how he does against Crystal Palace and whether he can kick on from there. Yeah, I think Klopp now will be forced to, you know, pick a team of basically Diaz, probably Nunes on the back of his showings the last few games, as you said, Kaiser, and then Salah, because obviously Jota is injured, Firmino's not being the best form. The question yep. is, the you know, there's, there's still two weeks to go in the transfer window. Henderson and Milner on the wrong side of 30 and injury prone. There's still a chance for Liverpool to go out there and make a signing. My fear is... They go through and they say, you know, it's not the right time, it's not the right player, the typical Liverpool sort of scenario in the transfer window. And then we're back in a scenario where we were two seasons ago with the centre-backs, but this time the midfielders. Mm. And again, we're thinking, you know, we should have just brought a body in. It's, uh, it's a difficult thing because then people point and say that, you know, what's the, the reason Liverpool's transfer strategy has been so successful is because they're patient in the market and they don't make these signings for the sake of making yeah. signings. 
So again, who knows? That I think is the biggest question going forward for Liverpool. But again, against United, against Bournemouth, they should be expecting six points as it is. Yeah. Six mm-hmm. points. City have already six points. They've steamrolled both their their opening uh, opening teams in the first two games, and they'll be looking to carry on that form. They go forward and they're playing Newcastle and Palace, and it looks like business as usual, Kaiser. Yeah. Um... Definitely looks like business as usual. I think Man City have had a yeah. I mean, such a autopilot basically. Just a they're just so in control of their games, creating good chances, pretty tight at the back. I think one potential weakness people saw was Ake uh, starting both those games uh, with Laporte being the only injury out for City. That's another thing. The injury um, list is tiny. Basically, it's just Laporte. So they're looking very very good. West Ham and Bournemouth weren't the biggest tests and moving forward, I'm not sure Newcastle and Palace will be despite um, them losing and drawing to Palace uh, in the Premier League last season. Tough to say. We'll have to see how they play against uh, Liverpool. But yeah, um, Palace could be maybe a potential uh, banana skin just based on last season. But um, yeah, it's tough to see them dropping any points really the way they play. Yeah, Dave, I mean, no one's really caused them problems. Two clean sheets in two games. But on the other side of the pitch, Vis, uh, Mr. Erling Haaland has looked, uh, he's looked pretty good. Despite being, you know, not very involved, even yesterday, he managed to rock up and assist. So, how, yeah. how have, you, have you watched much of him? I, I can't remember yeah, if you yeah. watched any of the games. I've been following Haaland, actually, quite a bit. Uh, I'm a Haaland fan. I, I think <laughs> he still needs time uh, to properly settle in uh, the City squad. I think in the first game, uh, where you see his second goal, I think, you're going to see a lot of goals like that where he's just running into open space. So I feel Haaland would be most effective when City are already a goal up and the opponents are chasing the game. And then when there's loads of space, right? And that's where Haaland's going to exploit it. And he's doing well. Lah. Even this assist or so, he was quite strong lah, to like hold off like two, three people. Good, and very good he, goal, actually. Yeah, very yeah and then nice he passed to this yeah. Gundogan and he scored. He's a good player, man. Crazy, and the stat, he only completed two passes against uh, Bournemouth yesterday, apparently. Uh, but despite that, I mean, they still assist, City, huh? created loads, yeah, City created <laughs> loads of chances. Yeah. And they said, like, you know, because he occupies so much space. He could have scored as well. Remember we're talking the about this now? The, yeah, Ford, Foden. The one, yeah, the one Foden could have just cut to him as an open goal, but Foden didn't pass. Yeah, and but you mentioned very, when Foden uh, scored. He's very atypical of a player, though, a City player, to only have two passes. You know, it's not something... Normally, you see the whole team involved. Even when Aguero's yeah. playing, he used to drop quite deep and get involved. But I think Vish, you right. I think if City get early leads in games, you see Haaland sort of running on and scoring that goal. But I think the other goal you're going to see is the one we didn't see yesterday in the one where Pep flipped that Foden. So Foden came, comes through mm. wide yeah. and that cut back, Haaland is there. Even Pep said Open, in his yeah. post-match, he said, yeah. you know, Haaland is there. Erling is going to be there for that. So I think yeah. those two goals, he's, he's going to, you know, really rack them up and Aguero oh. used to in the past so yeah so it's a scary yeah. uh, scary prospect even um, even Foden's goal actually yesterday Haaland was there he could have passed to Haaland although it correct. was a goal but he could have yeah. still passed to Haaland Haaland would have still scored you know actually glad you mentioned the post-match interview because Pep says like yeah these people have to understand we're not playing with a false nine anymore and stuff mm-hmm. like that like he said Haaland lives there <laughs> which is like in the, in the box basically so that's and they're looking that that's imperious like so clear. they're looking great for it as well yeah. they're looking very dangerous I don't see them not picking up 12 points so in terms of predictions we're only going to do two so the first one will be the Liverpool United game uh, 
you know, for courtesy's sake, since United are not doing so well, I'll go with you, Kaiser, first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll be so high scoring. Yeah, I man. Think be, I think it'll be... I think it'll be... Uh, 2-0, 2-0 to Liverpool. 2-0, I'll go for 3-0, yeah. 3-0 to the boys, or 0-3 rather. Vis, what about you? 4-0 four, four to Liverpool. 4-0 <laughs> <Four> <laughs> yeah, to United? The United no, fan saying 4-0. So it's 2-3-4, okay lah, nice. 2-3-4, okay, at least you yeah. can remember when you're putting in the score predictor, which we will not forget to do this season. <laughs> <laughs> and then second game we're going to try and do some score predictions for is City at home oh away to palace rather what am i saying city away <laughs> <laughs> <went> to newcastle, <laughs> newcastle yeah. yes. i'll go first i'm gonna go for a i can't decide if they'll keep a clean sheet on newcastle might uh you know get a, a, a set piece goal but based on their performance yesterday i'm gonna go with a three nil three nil to city or zero three okay. again this uh two nil to city i think it's not going to be so straightforward lah. yeah i yeah, think it'll be a tough game and yeah two nil Things. Yeah, 2-0. Tough game for City is still an easy 2-0 win anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Kaiser? Uh, go for 3-0 as well. 3-0. So 12 points on yeah. the board for Manchester City after four games is our prediction. And that brings us to the end of the first episode for this season. Thanks so much for everyone to you know for listening. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. It's been the Baller Boys. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Ollie. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football.